Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I chat with Catholics, Protestants, atheists, and agnostics about why the world isn't working right now. Because I think we all get the world's not working right now. There's too much hatred and divisiveness going on. And we're going to tackle unspeakable topics that many of us secretly struggle with, but we just don't admit. Now, if this is your first time joining us, thank you. Now, if you're one of the thousands of people who listen to the show every week, I just want to take a minute and say, listen, this show doesn't happen without you. So thank you for joining us every single week and making the show possible. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a Catholic and a former atheist. And I believe that Christians are all the same in our struggles and that we all worship the same God and we all want heaven. And that's more important than the differences in our theology. So that's what I'm standing for is unifying Christians everywhere. Now, the show was created for you, the believer or non-believer who struggles with the question, what on earth am I here for? Today, our featured guest is Dave Sanderson, and Dave is an inspirational survivor, speaker, and author. Uh, When U.S. Airways Flight 1549, the miracle on the Hudson happened, uh, Dave was that guy um, that ditched into the Hudson River on January 15, 2009, And he knew exactly that is exactly where he was meant to be at at that place in his life. And we're going to talk about Dave's faith journey and and how God has shown up in his life. So we're going to get right into that. So Dave, welcome to the show and uh, share with us like one or two gaps, fill in the gaps in that intro, would you? Well, I I appreciate uh, love the concept of the show. So uh, as part of, I guess, a little bit filling in the gaps of that introduction, um, number one, uh, I was a sales manager for 30 plus years. I was head of security for Tony Robbins for 10 of those years. Likewise, so I was doing both things. So I was, uh, I was really focused on making money, but also serving. But one thing I didn't serve is my family because uh, I, I figured out after the plane crash that I was modeling the, my father's sort of perspective on how you do be a father and be a, be a husband, and, which is nothing wrong with, which worked in the 60s. Mm. But in the 90s and 2000s, there's a different model. And so I, that was the things that really popped in and changed in my life after the plane crash into the Hudson River. So I think that's one thing to fill in the gap. And second, um, I would probably say that, um, you know, I, I've always been a believer, but this uh, what happened to me that day all of a sudden opened up not only a whole new perspective for me, but uh, gave me a strong reference for my faith. That's awesome. All right. So hold that. We're going to pause right there and we're going to get into it. Before we do, share with us something personal um, that very few people in your business life know about you. Well, I think no one except my wife and a few people know about me is in college. I was actually a disco dancer and I, um, and I also did the shag, but uh, I tried out for Dance Fever with Denny Terrio in Baltimore in 1979 uh, with those big uh, high heel shoes on. And uh, I was a pretty good dancer back then, so I could hold my own. Wow. How did you do in the tryout? Didn't do well. I thought I was pretty good, but then all of a sudden you get the really good people to show up uh, for that. And I was like, really? <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm good for being in Harrisonburg, Virginia, but I'm not that good at being on the big stage. Got it. Yeah, humility is a, a painful yet very rewarding experience. Especially so Dave, when you're 18 years old, you think you're Superman. So, yeah. Exactly. Dave, let's yeah. get down to business. Why do you think the world isn't working right now? I think the, the reason the world's not working is because people have taken God and Jesus the equation. I truly believe that. I think every place you turn, 
whether it's trying to take the Ten Commandments down from in front of a courthouse or not being able to pray in school or even to, for, for a football or basketball game, we're taking God out of the equation way too much. And I think that's uh, it's probably a, a core reason this whole thing is uh, around the world is being challenged right now. Mm, that's powerful. Now, you know, they say there's over 30,000 plus different denominations of Christianity Christianity right now. Why do you think that the Christian world is so divided right now? I think the, the Christian world is really divided because of, number one, the different influences people get and the different perspective people get. Where, you know, I when I grew up, I'm sure there were thousands of different denominations or different aspects, but yeah, everybody that I interacted with uh, who was a Christian, there was, even though we were Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Methodists, Baptists, we still had a core belief, but now people are having different belief systems come in and trying to uh, sort of massage it. Whereas like you might have some people say, well, you know, yeah, there's a Jesus, but he basically, he, he, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus, but he was a man. And so I'm like, okay, there's so many different belief systems about being a Christian. Now I think that's the reason why there's so many different uh, denominations or different aspects of being in Christian and or in a religious aspect. You know, that's powerful. And I agree completely with what you're saying right here. It's like, we've lost the, the, the core commonality as Christians. Right. And that's what I start every show with yeah. is like, we all worship the same God people. Yeah. We all want heaven. We all love our families. That's enough. Right. Let's talk about that. Now, if you, God placed you in a different denomination, that's fantastic. I don't need to make you wrong. You don't need to make me wrong. You know, what shows up for you in that? Well, I think that's, that's a great distinction because I think that goes back to one of the things I learned a lot about myself after the plane crash is, is about people who judge people who, from other religions. Because, you know, and when I grew up, as I mentioned, you know, they're pretty much all my friends were in different faith sets, whether they were Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, but we all had a belief that there was a God. But now, if you say you're a Episcopalian or you say you're a Seventh-day Adventist, all of a sudden people judge you and say, okay, this person believes this, so I can't believe, I don't believe the same thing they believe, so therefore I have a hard time relating to that. Uh, I think being less judgmental and saying, you know what, there, there, there's one God, you can worship him how you want, but uh, as long as we have that faith belief that there's one God, I think that's what gets people back in commonality because – get commonality you have to be in alignment with people at least if you can align on one thing you got to find something in common that's what commonality is mm. so you find one thing in common and that one common thing for everybody is god i love that i love the the metaphor you just used right it's like create a line that we're all in right and if you think visually like there's thirty thousand different lines that people are getting into so well i'm in this line over here well, i can't talk to you because you're in that line like we can't even have a conversation because you're in another line and, and of Christianity. And that doesn't even make sense. And, and what happens, I think, is that w when we're that divided, the only one that wins is the enemy because we're not talking about what unifies us. We're not talking about what unites us. And we're acting like we're alone and we're separate. And that's where the enemy has power is when he lies to us and, and gets us to think you're all alone. Nobody's with you. Right. You're you're in this life by yourself. Right. And then what do you do? You give into like, you know, the, the sinfulness, you give into the pleasures, you give into all this stuff because you think, well, I can't do this by myself. It's it's too much. It's too overwhelming. Anything show up for you in that? 
Well, it's all about, I think, being judgmental. And that I'll give you a, a little example of what happened where some sort of hit me in the face after the plane crash. I was in the green room at Good Morning America after the show, and there was a, one of the passengers came in a rage. And he was just really wailing on everybody. And we're all looking at each other like, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, we all survived the plane crash. It's a happy story, right, the whole thing. And, and all of a sudden, I started, you know, like, this guy's backstory. Maybe this guy's got something going, going on, something in his life. I don't understand. All of a sudden, I said, how many times in my life have I started judging people and all of a sudden cut off relationships in my life, potential relationships in my life? If I become less judgmental, I can be more in alignment with people and open up relationships. And that's what's happened. And even to the point where I've done, I've, I've been able to speak in almost every religion. I've even, uh, from, from the Jewish faith all the way from all the Christian faiths, you know, it's opened up those avenues because I've become less judgmental. And that's one thing I wish I could look back at my life. One thing I would have changed is I wish I would know this back in before college that you can be less judgmental, relationships open up and you can be in alignment with people and have more commonality. Dave, you have no idea how much value you're contributing to me right now. It, just personally, right? Like one of the things that scares me most about the calling that God's put on my life to be a Christian evangelist um, and this platform, right? The, the podcast is one of those mediums that I'm going to use, but I'm also going to go out and speak on stage. That's like my superpower is connecting with people face to face. However, like it concerns me, like this is a, a fear, right? It concerns me that um, will I be accepted in my Catholic upbringing um, in other denominations. Because when I go to my, some of my friends' churches, they're all different denominations. It's like I'm open now and accepting where in the past I was critical and judgmental, like you're saying, but now I'm open and accepting. But when they look at me and they hear, oh, you're Catholic? Oh, I didn't know you were Catholic. And all of a sudden, like the, they look at me different and the conversation stops. Like, how, do, how did you get past that? The, the, you stop judging others, which is a huge, huge acknowledgement to you. How did you get past others still caught up in the judging you? Uh, I think it really hit me in the face when I spoke in New Jersey. And I spoke for a business group. And it wasn't a religious group. It was a business group. But I, when I spoke, and after I got off stage, the person who had brought me there said, just FYI, all these people are Jewish. And I was like, I didn't see that, right? I was talking about God and Jesus, and I didn't see that. I'm like, so I didn't judge. I wasn't judging them, but he was like judging me immediately. It's like, you know, hey, by the way, you can't say Jesus in front of these people. I'm like, okay. And, and so and that opened my eyes. But the second time it opened my eyes is when I spoke in Atlanta. And it was for a group of oil companies who came in. And the lady said, you cannot say the word God. You cannot say the word Jesus. We have Muslims here. You cannot say the word, right? So I, I said, okay. So I was at the end of my 45 minute talk, maybe three, four minutes left. I said, you know what? What's she going to do to me now? Right? She's going to me up. I went for it, right? I, I started talking about God and uh, talking about the story about God. And I saw her eyes in the back room get really big. Where I was like, I told this guy not to do this, right? Mm -hmm. So when I get off stage, I'm going to do this book signing. I had like 300 books to sign. And all of a sudden, the first four people came up to me were Muslims from Kuwait. I said, no one ever talks about their faith and business. Thank you. And she saw that. I told her, I said, you can never take the word of God out of anything. Even these Muslims believe there's a greater being. Mm. I may not understand what they talk about, right? I may understand Muhammad and all this stuff, but these guys appreciated talking faith and business. They talk faith and business. may not be the same faith I talk about, mm. but they talk faith and business. Which, why are we so afraid to talk about this in business? I That's love that. I love that, right? This is what I say that. 
I always say that. Thank you for talking about faith and business. Every time I talk, every, whether it's in the Red Cross event, whether it's a business event, I spoke two times in two different church denominations last week, one in Statesville, North Carolina, one in Little Rock, Arkansas, thanking me because no one talks about it because they're so afraid to talk about it. I, this is landing so powerfully, right? I used to be a bipolar Christian. That's what I call it, right? Bipolar Christian. It was like uh, on Sunday, I am a Christian and, and everyone sees it. I'm at church doing my thing, right? And I'm being kind to everybody. And then Monday through Saturday, I'm cutting people off in traffic. People are giving me the middle finger. I'm crushing it in business, corporate ladder all the way to the top. And just like not being Christian, not, not living the Ten Commandments. And the first time, like I'm connecting, right? I'm going to share this story real quick. The first time, um, because I used to um, give lectures in the universities here in Tampa, Florida, um, to all the college students about entrepreneurship. Here's how you start a business, right? Because I've had some success in it and tons of failures. And I remember that I couldn't not talk about God anymore, if, if that makes sense. And, and I know you get that as a speaker. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say because someone asked me, like, how did you become where you are so successful? And I was like, well, God's part of that story. So I can't share the story without sharing God's contribution in my life. And I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm like, okay, well, you asked. So here we go. And I just, and I went and I shared about my business and my, and then I brought faith into it. Like you said, faith in business. And I was talking about God and, and what he's done in my life. And when I was done, there was a line of students um, coming up after. And just like you said, the, the three Jewish people, um, you know, came over to you and said, thank you for talking about God. And I remember this one young lady and, and she looked up at me and she was all teary eyed. And she's like, Mr. Warren, I got to tell you, um, thank you for talking about God. I was like, what? And she's like, thank you for talking about God. Like nobody talks about God and entrepreneurship. And you did. And you did it unapologetically. And I always feel like I can't talk about my faith with my friends um, and business and entrepreneurship. And now today, for the first time ever, I feel like you just gave me permission to bring God into that conversation. And she just started weeping in front of me. And she's like, just thank you. Thank you so much. That changed everything for me. And I was just like, wow. And, and to God be the glory, you know, let's stop leaving him out of the conversation. So BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation, as you're listening right now, where are you leaving God out of the conversation? Even though you know he's done so much for you in your life and you owe him everything, bring him into your nine to five, bring him into your Monday through Friday. Speak openly about him, not in a way that diminishes other people's beliefs, not in a way that makes them wrong and makes you right. Share your story. Nobody can argue your story. It's your story. It's your witness. What shows up there, Dave? Well, something you just said, and even about your personal experiences, it's resonated because I mentioned I spoke in Little Rock last week, and one of the people who were with me and driving me around as I was going from event to event uh, was a lady who was a Catholic who was now atheist. Mm. And we were having this because I, I was, she'd never seen me speak. So I said, I've sort of given her a perspective. I said, listen, this is where I'm sort of going to go with this talk. Because I had five different talks um, from the military to the two churches to contribution to a business. I had a lot of different talks. And she told me this. And I said, what happened? She goes, well, you know, I'm dating this atheist. I just thought it'd be better to, 
you know, so I, you know, he doesn't believe in there's a God. And I said, he said, Kaylee, I've been challenged by that too. Cause I just got a divorce. And I'm like, how does somebody move that way? I said, I, cause I said, you know, I think I've never been around somebody who's moved from being a Catholic or even a Christian to be an atheist. I've been around atheists, but everybody who's moved, what makes that transition? What makes that disbelief? Was it the relationship? Be able to be in alignment with her boyfriend or does she really have a, something happened to her that just question her faith? And so I, uh, I, I, was, I tried to dig a little bit, but I said I had to come back and think and start thinking about this. So what you just said is, to me, is there's people out there who have to visually see something about God to believe there's a God. Mm. And, I mean, that's what happened to me. Kayla, this is what I think happened on January 15th. God put that miracle in the busiest place at the busiest time in the world at that moment to show people there's a God. Because yeah. in 2009, there was so much negativity, in, not only in the United States, but around the world, that I think God had to say, okay, you don't believe? I'm going to show you something that's so big, so, so grand, that you're going to believe there's a God. Mm. You know? Because this could not happen without God's hands all over it. That's why the first interview I did with Rick Warren was about that, about how God's hands were all over this, because uh, there's no way that should have happened. So I think uh, some people just have to, you know, Joseph, they have to visually see a miracle to believe there's a God. And unfortunately, they, unlike that Jesus said with Thomas, right? As he said, Tom, you, you have to see it to believe it. Mm. Plus those who are not seeing it and believing it. Mm. But sometimes you, he maybe have to have a Thomas moment, right? A doubting Thomas moment that you have to see it. I think a lot of people are that way right now. They, they don't believe it because they don't see it. Man, that's powerful. BC Nation, if you're just joining us right now, we're speaking with Dave Sanderson, and Dave Sanderson was one of the uh, gentlemen on U.S. Airways Flight 1549, the miracle in the Hudson that went down right in the Hudson River there in 2009, and he was able to be there unloading passengers to safety and just God working on his life, a testimony. He's, he's been featured on NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox News, PBS, People, uh, Success, in touch. This guy's been all over. He's a successful speaker now and travels the world, and he's joining us today. So, Dave, let me ask you this, and I think it plays right into what you just said last. It's easy to know that there's a God or to know of God, right? We, we grew up in Christian homes, and we know of God. We're raised with it in the Ten Commandments and everything, but some of us, many of us, never get to know God, like in a real tangible way like you and i talking right now we never get to know him personally when was the first time you experienced god in a tangible way tell us that story paint us a vivid picture go i think um the first time i really actually felt the i would say jesus to me mm -hmm. i felt jesus hands on me is when i was i think seventh or 18 i was in high school driving my dots and b210 i was drinking which i should have been doing at 17 or 18 but i was and i flipped my car Mm. And I felt at that point I was in the car. You know, I survived it, of course, but I felt somebody's hands helping me turn the car over because all of a sudden I had the super, superhuman strength and I picked the car up and flipped it over to get it back on the road. And what? I felt, how could I do this? Right? I mean, I'm a strong guy, you know, but how did I do this? And I thought, was this Jesus? Or say, okay, get your act together. You know, I'll give you another shot. So I drove home, and I should have been driving home. Okay, I made a lot of mistakes that day. Mm. But I, th I felt Jesus' hands helped me push this car back over to get it on the road so I could get back. I think that was the first moment I felt like, wow, maybe there is a greater being. I mean, I've been told this, right? 
my grandmother and my mother told me this, and you believe, but then you actually realize it because you felt it. And I think that was because I think when I talk about sometimes people have to visually see that there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. people kinesthetically have to see it, right? They feel it. And maybe he's had to feel it or, you know, hear it. Or so the three modalities I talk about, maybe I had to feel it, the hands and presence of pushing a car, which 3000 pound car, which I'd never been able to do on myself. Wow. That's just, that's just amazing. I mean, a Datsun's a small car, but yeah. it's a car. It's like a ton. It's 2000 pounds. You're drinking, you're drunk, right? It's like, you know, you have no, your mind's not about you, but all of a sudden you're flipping a car over and getting it back on the road. It's like, all right, something's going on here, right? Wow. Now, Dave, I'm going to speak into this. I'm going to lean in a little into your story there because you just brought out something really powerful. You just said some, uh, some people need kinesthetically to feel God, to experience him in, in a way that's like unmistakable. It's like that I could not have done on my own. I lifted a freaking car. Like what the heck? And like God was in that moment for, for you, Dave. And I remember a good friend of mine, one of my closest friends, I call her my favorite human. She was uh, agnostic when I met her. And um, so she's like, I believe there is a higher being and blah, 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 but I don't believe in God. And I was like, do you want to believe in God? And she goes, yeah, of course. Of course, I want to believe that this entire universe isn't an accident. I'm not an accident. It's just not chaos theory and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna give you a challenge if you really want to believe it. She's like, okay, what? I said, go home today. And look up to heaven in your quiet time and just say, God, if you're real, show me you're real in my life. Show me in a way that I can't deny. I want to believe, right? However you want to say that, say that prayer, BC Nation. If you have fallen away from God in your relationship or you're joining us today and you're like, I'm agnostic, I don't believe in God, or I'm atheist, I definitely don't believe there's a God, then I challenge you, prove it to yourself. Prove it, prove you're right. And, and look up to heaven and, and say, God, if you're real, show me you're real. And literally mean it from your heart. That's very important. Like meaning, if, if you show me, I will believe. I'm open enough to that. And I promise you, he will. And, and Dave, you wouldn't believe it. Um, it was like a month or two later, she was at some event and um, uh, she was hanging out with all these girls and they're gossiping, college students and everything. And she just didn't want to be around all the gossip. So she wandered off and there was this chapel where they were, they're at like this camp type experience. And there was a chapel. It was a Catholic church for some odd reason. She just went in just to be by herself. And she said, she sat down and all of a sudden she felt this feeling of just unconditional love, this warmth, this, this fatherly um, love just pour all over her and like nothing she had ever experienced before in her life. And she felt it and it was real. And she's like, and she's a very brainiac girl. She's pursuing her PhD. So she doesn't believe unless she gets it like intellectually, like show me God's real. And she's like, there was no show me. I just, in that moment, I knew God not only existed, but he was my father and he loves me. And, and I, nothing could, there was no like, show me facts, science, or statistic. I experienced God, and now she is madly in love with God, and she's got a close relationship with him. And she said the prayer, and God wants to give it to us. What shows up for you there, Dave? Anything? Well, I think, like you said, there's a lot of people who have intellectually have conceptualized there's a God, and when they let, let themselves go, I think when people let themselves go and just, you know, touch me, right? Do something, right? 
that something's going to happen. And it, it happens all the time. And it may not show up to you the way you think it's going to show up to you, but it's going to show up to you some way if you just ask the question. Because one thing you just said is very accurate. I mean, you know, I just heard a sermon a few weeks ago at our church, and he sort of said something I'd never really thought about before. But, you know, when Jesus talked to God, he you know, called him Father. And it's like, okay, that's the connection. But what Jesus was really telling us is he's a papa for all of us. That's he right. wants to be our father for each one of us, not just our God. He wants to be our father. And fathers sometimes let people fail, mm. right? Sometimes they let you go th- too far to bring you back in. And I just, mm. I talked about that on an interview for the other day that, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I wish I, I'm going to do better at, but I wish I had done better at with some of my children is help them make decisions and let them fail. And that's what a good father does is, and that's what God is a father to all of us. He let Jesus fail. I mean, he was on the cross, right? I mean, he's got he, Jesus talking to him. It's like, hey, come on, right? I'm here, but he had to let him go through it, right? He had mm-hmm. to let him go through the failure to get to the glory. So mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's what that young lady said. So you know what? She had to see it intellectually. Well, maybe sometimes you just have to feel it, and God's like, okay, I'm going to let you fail to this point, and then I'm going to bring you back. And that's, that was the moment she felt he brought her back, and she felt the unconditional warmth. Wow. Powerful stuff, Dave. Dave, if you were being 100% transparent right now, in what area of your life do you still struggle to trust God? Uh, I think the area that, if, if I, and I pray for this every day, every day, is you know, in the financial area where you know I want to be able to give. I give as much as I possibly can. I used to be able to do that, but I have a fear now because I've got to pay the bills and I'm, on my, I'm an entrepreneur like you are, you know, and I got to bring, the, bring in the bacon. So, I think the fear is I don't, I'm not giving enough back to God where I used to when mm. I had abundance. Right. Mm. And that's, uh, and I've got to get over that fear. It's like, you know what? I've got enough. I'll figure this thing out one way or another, you know, but I just got to give out. I got to keep, give, go back and start giving the way I used to give. Hey Dave, have you ever read the book? Have you ever read the book, the treasure principle? I've heard of it. I have not read it. Yeah. So it's a book. It's about four inches by four inches. It's a 30 minute read. I highly recommend it. Um, That changed my entire way of thinking about my money. Um, The way, because I thought exactly like you did. It was like, when I have abundance, I'm very generous. When I have scarcity, I'm not. I hoard. Like I I hold it to the little I have. And and the Bible is very clear. Even those that, you know, right. Even even the little that you're holding onto will be taken away from you. Right. Right. So it's very important, but the treasure principle, I highly recommend that read BC nation. If you struggle um, like Dave and, and Dave is sharing, you know, I love this transparency. He's like, Hey, this is an area I'm human in. You know, I struggle with, um, you know, when I'm financially well off, I contribute to God's kingdom when I'm not. And I got a lot of bills and it's tight and the cash flows tight. Then I kind of, I pull back on my contribution to God's kingdom Uh, Read the treasure principle. I think that's really going to help you to release that. I have literally, after I read that, I have never worried about my finances ever again, like at all. Highs, lows didn't matter. Like I have complete peace there. I don't know why, but that area of my life, you know, it's been surrendered. So I want that for you, Dave. I want that for you, BC Nation. Dave, why do you think 90% of people are struggling to find their purpose in their life? Like, what on, here, what on earth am I here for? Like, what does God have me? Why do you think 90% of people are struggling to find that? Because they're asking lousy questions. You know, what do you mean that? Thinking, 
because th- th- what I mean by that is, is they think about their own personal significance instead of thinking outward how to connect and how to contribute. Um, I think that's that's what happened to me. You know, I I was so focused on myself that you know I asked myself I, and I kept reinforcing myself. It, you know, it, was, it was all about me. It's all about me. So therefore, I you know my purpose was about how can I succeed instead of how can I help somebody else help somebody else succeed and enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. And that's what, when I, and that was the difference. What I was when the shift was made when I I said you know how can I add value to other people but also enjoy the process because there's people adding value all the time, but they hate their jobs and you know, they're not happy. So once I made that distinction and that shift for me, it started changing where all things, things started opening up for me when I said, how can I add value and enjoy the process? Wow. So BC nation, what Dave is dropping right now, some wisdom nuggets is if you are navel gazing, looking down at your own belly button, this is why you haven't found your purpose. It's when you look up to heaven and say, God, what is your will for my life? What do you want? I'm ready to surrender everything and not hold back. That's when God gives us the purpose. Dave, I love that. Fantastic. Now I think it's human to experience a crisis of faith. What do you want to say to the person listening right now in our audience who has given up on God or is about to give up on God in their life? Well, and when people come to me and ask me those questions about, you know, that day, I said that one of the questions that I was asked most after the plane crash is, was this, did you believe in God before? And I said, well, I've always believed in God. Uh, but this was a strong reference to my faith. So I would tell people, go back. That's why I named the book Moments Matter, Joseph. It's because all these moments in our life that we don't think matter actually do matter. So look back in your life and think of all these moments that, you know, you just you went through life and say, you know, that didn't really mean anything. But all of a sudden, some of those things that life are put in, your, in there to give you some examples and references in your life so that when times get tough, you be able to call upon that and have faith that you can be able to receive it. So faith comes from, from God, you know, believing in something you can't see, right? Well, I can't see God and you can't see God, but I believe because he's given me examples on why I should believe. And I use that as references. And I call them virtual references in my life. And now it's, it's easier than ever now because back then you had to sort of, you had, you had the Britannica encyclopedia, and you had to go to, but now you got the internet. You can get the people, anybody. I tell people, you can get to anybody to have a faith story. So when I was with Rick Warren, I told Rick Warren, I said this. I said, before you interview me, I want you to interview my minister. He said, why? I said, because I want to show you this is not a Saul to Paul experience for me. I want him to explain to me his perspective of my faith. Mm. Now you can get a background of where he thinks I came from. Because when he and I first met, I was struggling with a lot of things. We lost a child, and we had a lot of things going on. And then Ken became our pastor, and all of a sudden, it changed everything because he looked at me at a different perspective, right? He gave me sort of a different perspective because he was younger. Mm. So he's only eight, eight, about five, six years older than I am. Where Every minister I've ever had before was always 70 or 80 years old, right? I mean, how can I write to this old guy, right? But he could give me a perspective roughly my same age. And all of a sudden, when I started thinking like that, changed everything and opened up everything so if you don't believe in god and i'll give you this example too because i was with ken we were at a, at a board meeting in our church and i i looked at ken i said you know because the thing i said well, church was going through a rough time i said ken i said you know jesus every day in jesus life was a pixie dust and sunshine jesus had some bad days how did jesus handle the bad days he goes with how jesus handled the bad days he'd go out back and pray mm-hmm. he said that's how he handled everything through prayer he prayed to the Father, and obviously he said, Jesus felt comfort. And I said, that's the secret. 
Mm. You have a you go through a bad time and not believe. Just go out and pray for anything, and something will be answered. Mm. You know, so as soon as I ask him that question, it opened up to everything for me. It's like, yeah, Jesus had bad days. How bad could my day be when I'm not on the cross? Mm. Right? He did that for me. My day can't be that bad. Put things in proper perspective. Wow, that's powerful. Tough, if I pray. That's powerful, Dave. Dave, what's your number one fear about God that really messes with your head sometimes? I don't have that anymore. I used to have that. I mean, I was in college. But you know what? I know there's a God, and I know more importantly there's a Jesus who walked on this earth. And more importantly now, I know there's a Holy Spirit because I've, I've encountered the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, and through the plane crash and so many things that have happened over the last nine years to me. So more importantly, great thing about, you know, you think about God, but I think it in three perspectives, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And I know the Holy Spirit's here because I felt it and I know it. I've experienced it. So there's no questions about God. He's mm. just here in a different format. Got it. Got it. What's the best faith advice that you've ever received? Um, you know, I guess the best faith advice is, like I said, I think when Ken told me, you know, when, when things are bad, just pray, just mm. pray. And so I pray every day. And, um, yeah, I tell you, I give you an example. I pray every day after the plane crash, after I start speaking, God, just let me find one more place to speak today mm. so I can impact one person's life. And about 90% of the time that happens, I find somebody, a new place to speak every day. And people explain, how can you speak over a hundred times a year? I say, because I pray every day to speak one more place. Mm. You know, every day it happens. You know, something happens. And then speaking may be in a different format. I may be speaking to you, right? Right? Yeah. Or I'm speaking on stage. Or I'm speaking through my daily broadcast on my Amazon, you know, flash briefing. But, but that prayer is answered every day because I pray every day. And that came from that question asking Ken, what does Jesus do on a bad day? What a great question, right? So BC Nation, listen to the wisdom nugget uh, that Dave just dropped again. When you're struggling, when you feel alone, when you feel at your worst and life is just not working, do what Jesus did. He said, pick up your cross and follow me, right? Do what I do, right? What did Jesus do? He went and spent time with the Father. He went and spent time with the Father. And the Father does what the uh, Father does. He loves on you and he brings you peace. Everything is fine. I got your back, right? And that's what the Father wants to do for each of you right now. Share with us one of your daily habits that helps you win in your spiritual life, Dave. That right there, I said, I pray every day. Every day. I have a ritual every morning. I get once I get myself personally handled, I pray. The second thing I do is I pray before I go get my, my physical body worked out. Because Canley, I wasn't doing that, Joseph. You know, and, and what changed for me on that perspective is when I was, I was sitting on the right stage when Tony Robbins was on stage. And the lady got up to talk to him. And she said, I pray for your health. And I'm like, I've never heard that one, right? And all of a sudden, I realized, you know, if you don't have your health, whether it's your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, you have nothing. So mm. she was praying for his health. And I said, that's a great prayer for me. Every day, get up, just pray for health. And if you pray, one of the things Jesus told you to do is to take action. I mean, he, he, you could talk a big game. Like Jesus said, you could talk about this, but you guys going out there to take action is what's going to make this whole thing happen. Mm. Right? And his last commandment on the mountain, he said, with his disciples, right? He's like, Hey, we've talked a big game, right? And no one believes you got to go out. So go out amongst the Samaria, Judea, and the world, and the Holy Spirit will fill you to give you the message. 
So it's about taking action. So that's what happened to me in taking action after I heard that lady pray for his health. I'm like, wow. So get my health and get my health and handle it first thing in the morning. Because if I don't have that, I can't do the other missions I have in my life. Got it. So BC Nation, listen to what Dave is saying there, right? It's about go to the Father, right? Ask for help and then take the action, right? So you can't, Dave can't pray for health and then not go to the gym or eat crap food and sit in front of the TV all day, right? That's not going to be an answered prayer opportunity there, right? Dave prays for, Lord, give me one more place to speak every day. Give me one more place to speak. But then Dave shows up and takes the action of jumping on a podcast with Joseph Warren with Broken the Catholic or um, reaching out to that speaker um, organizer that, um, you know, to get those those gigs. He's taking the action and then relying on his father to create the opportunities. And I think that is, that's the winning formula. Dave, we're about to jump into my favorite part. Welcome to the confession round. Um, you see the play on words I did there, right? There's no Catholic priest here, but we're going to have a quick confession. I'm going to ask you uh, 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you. Are you ready, sir? Let's rock it, man. Let's rock it. David, uh, what's your favorite sound? Uh, yeah. Say that again. Yes. Yes. Favorite sound. What's your least favorite sound? Uh, no. Got it. No, I think, were... I, I think no is not the least favorite sound. I think is dispassionate people, just being dispassionate, don't care. I think it's the least favorite sound. Got it. Like indifference. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Astronaut. Got it. What are you most afraid of? Um, I think not having health. I'm not having my health. I get that. That makes sense. What did you What did you spend way too much time doing in your twenties? Uh, thinking about myself. Partying, <laughs> thinking about myself. Got it. Hey, millennials, listen to what David just said. Yeah. What secret fear do you have about God? That when I get there, my room's not ready to rock and roll for me. He promised me a room. I'm expecting a room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, sheets, the bed's not made yet. You're like, I need the. <laughs> what do you wish you had learned yeah. sooner about God? That uh, if they, he's there with you through the good and the bad, that he's mm -hmm. not just there for to, to, to punish you. Love it. What's the new habit you want to form, Dave? Is that I can reach more people uh, with my faith than I am currently. Over in, I can explain that later. If you want yeah. To. I get it. What is the, what's a bad habit you want to break? Um, is I'm still a little too judgmental. Be less judgmental. Mm, love it. Pick three words to describe who you are now as a, as a Christian. Passionate, focused, and mission driven. Love it. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God. Uh, Self-significant. Uh, hoarder. And undisciplined. Undisciplined. Got it. Imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it, Dave. The Dave, Dave lived a life full of life and gave, and gave to people what they needed when they needed it the appropriate way. Love it. And last question, Dave, if you could come back to life after you died and perform only one miracle for your friends and family, what would you do for them? One miracle. 
Wow. Um, For anyone, God gave you the power to come back and perform one miracle. What would you do? For who? It would definitely be my family. And it would, I would, wow, that's a tough question. I never thought about that. One miracle for my family or for somebody. It would, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I think I talk, I talk about in some of my interviews about the ability to walk on, have that walk on water moment. So maybe just being showing up and showing people that there is a God because I can walk on water with him. Mm, love it. Yeah, that's powerful. So if you're joining us today, we're speaking with Dave Sanderson. You can find him at Dave Sanderson speaks.com. That's Dave Sanderson speaks.com. Dave, thank you for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Joseph. May God bless you and make all the moments in your life matter. Amen. Go check out Dave's book, Moments Matter. You can find that on Amazon. Just Google Moments Matter with Dave Sanderson. BC Nation, imagine if you could find your purpose in the next 30 days. Head over to brokencatholic.com, and I'll show you how. And while you're there, shoot me a quick question or a comment. That's brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week. God bless you.